the injury thing is the best analogy, dude. Like, you're better at podcasting than you think, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up, man? It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, Go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. Alrighty, there we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. I'm with uh, my next guest, the one, the only, P. Lan. Uh, man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show is that you're very unique in the world of music, in the world of hip-hop. Uh, very rarely do I speak to someone who is also a lawyer and also a musician. Usually, they don't go hand-in-hand hand, uh, from the prescribed path, but super interesting in terms of just the journey you've been on. Uh, you've got a lot of music that came out this year. you got the Chaos is a Ladder EP, the Better All at Once EP, and then the Find... The, some Serenity EP, which was a two-track EP as well. So you've been very busy this year. Feel fantastic. The remix came out. So it's been I'm a really good year here, for you. So, I, I, uh, I had yeah, a man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the like, show. A little over a year ago where I did a lot. And then the last year, I really just was focusing on, like, I have my, my career, which is being a lawyer, but almost the same amount of time I put towards that, I put towards music. So really it is, like, two little paths that I'm on all the time. And yeah, the past year, I just I've probably written like, you know, 50 songs, finished 20 of them, released seven of them. And I actually have an, an out full album coming out this Friday. Yeah. Well, it's perfect timing for you to be on the show. I mean, by the time this comes out, to there be honest, go. it will already be out. So for anyone listening, check it out. It's out now. Uh, you can find it on on all streaming platforms. But, you know, I think it's interesting because I have a corporate career as well outside of this. Um, and it's like, how do your uh, your clients and how do, how do people feel about you being a oh, musician nice. and a lawyer? Like I said, I also did a law degree uh, at uni and there is like this weird feeling of like what a lawyer should be. And it's almost like you're not a human in a weird way. Like the prescribed path of like, you're a robot, you work really hard, you're not funny, you're just like this machine that can crank out all this work. But how? what's the perception like in so your I field right now I of feel you having those two about sides it to yourself? Because I see the depth of how far I go down each one. What I've noticed is, most lawyers who meet me and find out that I make music, especially rap music, I think that they just think, oh, that guy like messes around for fun, right? So they usually don't think it's that strange. But some of my friends who actually know me more on the musician side, when they find out I'm a lawyer, they're the ones that are shocked because they know that I'm deep in music. 
like I produce, I have this studio with all, you know, keyboards and um, I, I like, I write raps and I listen to like 80% of the stuff that I listen to is probably rap music. So when they find out that I'm like, I was in court today, when they find out that I'm like going to court in a suit, they're like, how the fuck do you even have like the, the, the wherewithal to just like walk into court after like staying up till 5am the night before <laughs> writing a song that's like pretty anti-law. And um, I don't know, man. I, I like it, but I also think that I'm not a lawyer's lawyer. I did the lawyer thing because when I was go first going to school, I was like, all right, what's a pretty secure career path that I think I could have some freedom in? And it's just, it was like the easiest one of the tough ones. Cause like being a doctor was a, a good bit harder, at least in my opinion. And then like uh, being like a fucking uh, pilot, a good bit harder and more serious. So there's of all the serious ones, I, I was like, ah, I think lawyer might be the easiest one for my personality. I'm pretty persuasive and I'm like, I'm pretty talkative in general. So I was like, I think that one would work. And I think I picked the right one because now I have my own law firm. So I make my own hours. I work for my computer and it fits strangely well with making music. But you're right. I literally don't know a single other lawyer that has at all a similar lifestyle than, to me, like zero. Well, I've never met one. I've got friends who went to who are grads at law firms. And I think the benefit you have is running your own practice. But like being a graduate at a law firm, your life doesn't exist. You're a machine. Like I had friends who were working from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. And I was like, that's not life. Like you're just, he couldn't, didn't have time for a girlfriend. He didn't have time to have for any extracurricular activities. By the time it's the weekend, you're so burnt out you just need to recover and then next thing you know it's monday morning and you're like great i get to the office when it's dark i leave when it's dark and it's just this weird cycle so yeah i think you found a good balance but i do agree that they they are in a weird way completely yeah. opposite music is usually against the machine and against the corporate culture and against the the traditional path and, and then the a craziest thing about all traditional this path. Is my first job as a lawyer was being a prosecutor for the government because it was the only job that i could get right when i was ready to get a job a lot of the other jobs it was like you know a long long process to get some of these like more high paying jobs and i was like fuck it like i need some money i want to support the stuff that i care about so i took the job and i was living with our mutual friend mike mark and I was like, it was, I, it was an hour drive. So I'm waking up at seven. I'm driving to this office. I'm, I'm almost acting like I care about prosecuting and I care about fighting crime. And I did that for a couple of years, actually. And during those years, the music that I made wasn't as good. I didn't have the time to dedicate to it. And I think also like, my true energy of being against the machine and like being more of this free spirit wasn't shining through the music. And I had a realization where I had this trial where I convicted a guy who had like a, a tiny bit of marijuana, like he had some weed on him, right? He was an older guy. And I asked my boss the day before it was supposed to go to trial. I was like, Hey, like, 
let me just throw this case out. This guy's a Vietnam War veteran. He's never been in trouble. He had a little bit of weed. Like, I'm just going to throw it out. And like, because I was a new attorney, I had to ask. And my boss is like, no, we can't let this one slide. Then you're going to let all these cases slide. Like you have to go and you have to do a trial. And I was like pretty good at doing trials. And as much as I wanted to do bad and like, like to, to see if this guy could like get off, I tried my absolute fucking hardest and he got convicted and he didn't go to jail or anything because it was a small crime, but he got like fined. Right. And I remember when the jury came back and said that he was guilty of marijuana, which I think he really did have the weed like he who cares. Right. He um, I felt pretty bad. And then when I left out of the courtroom, he was waiting outside for me. He was like a 70 year old man and he shook my hand and he's like, hey, man, like, I appreciate what you do. You did a really good job. And I was like just felt so strange that I had just like my whole life and all the things that I had learned came up like at the present moment of like, I just went into a courtroom and did all this stuff and was working for the government to like prove this guy was guilty of some small crime. It just felt like I felt like shit. And the next day I went to work and I put in my two week notice. And that's when I started my own law firm. And now I defend people who get charged with crimes and it definitely, it makes, I feel like my music is better. My attitude is better. The hours are better. So it's been a big turnaround. The next day, I, I, like during the trial, I started feeling bad. So literally the next day. The jurors like liked me. And, and it was, it was this like mask that I was wearing of like, now you guys are going to take the evidence seriously when I present it. Right. And I was even like, I wasn't even really talking the way that I would normally talk. It was. It was this like weird, it was this weird game of just like, I want to win. It was almost like there's that movie Devil's Advocate and like different movies where like lawyers, it's it's kind of like vanity of like, I want to look good and do good and and win my case at all costs. And it it scared me because before becoming a lawyer, I was a skateboarder. I liked rap music and all this stuff. But like you said, I got caught up in the machine without really realizing it. I thought that I was in control, but like, at a certain point, I was no longer even myself. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the weird thing is that <clears throat> the way our countries do the legal system, it's based on the adversarial system. So it is inherently a competition. So that's why people, you know, people often wonder why it's like me versus you or why it's not about the truth because it's like there are facts, but it's how you present it. And every fact has a story about the fact. And it's not really a fact until you can paint a picture and and both sides are painting two separate pictures, even though the facts say one thing. So it's, it's, it is strange that we do it that way, that it is me versus you. If I was defending myself and you were prosecuting, the facts are almost in a way only part of it it's how we can spin it in a narrative of what actually happened whereas some countries have obviously an inquisitorial system where the judge actually goes in and he's the one who's or she's the one who are running the trial and the lawyers are officers of the court in the sense that they assist in presenting all the facts unadulterated so that they can figure out what actually happened so it's like yeah, it, I used to think that ours was better, and the more that I become older and think about it, then I'm like, maybe it's not as good. But then again, you want to have your day in court where you can tell your side of the story. So 
I don't know. I think it just becomes weird. We're humans and we just like to fight each other sometimes for no reasons. And I mean, the weed cases right now, I mean, I mean the, the more whole, it becomes first legal. First of all, the yeah, when it comes to the adversarial it system, it's, I don't think it's terrible, like compared to the other, other t- styles of, of the way that people handle crime, other countries. I don't think ours is the worst by any means, but I'm with you. Sometimes I'm like, is this the best way we can do it? Because for sure, like it's a competition i pick i get to pick a jury there's a big group of people and i get to question them and like build this little mini relationship and i can tell if there's a guy or girl looking and listening to me a little more intently or if i say a little joke and they laugh and then i'm like well i'm picking them nothing to do with the facts of the case it's like just this it's this game where i'm being persuasive and i'm trying to be charismatic and it's like that element is not really it doesn't really fit into did this guy do something or not but it's there and it plays like and in me and mike used to talk about this because he's in he's in sales and it's just like it's the same thing like i'm selling a story versus some other guy that's selling a story and if you're really really a lot better than the other person sometimes the facts like you said don't even matter that much so yeah that was that was pretty heartbreaking but like i definitely I'm grateful for that job because it definitely showed me like what I don't want to be. And like, it showed me how far you can like drift away from your dreams and how far you can drift away from like what you really love. And I went to like, probably so close to the edge where if I did it another couple of years, I don't know if I ever make music again. Like, I don't know, like all the songs that are out probably would never come out. And like, just all the things in my life creatively, I think would have gotten dimmed almost all the way down. So like, yeah, I, I, I'm thankful for that guy's case. And like, I'm thankful that he didn't actually get any trouble. I'm thankful that he shook my hand. It was like, almost like this sign from God of like, Hey man, you did a really good job, but like, is this what you want to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always wonder, like, and I I wonder about you in the sense of, like, do you see that you could do both forever? Like, at some point to me, sometimes I think about creativity and I think you can have fun in that realm and find the balance. But there is almost always a turning point where your career, in terms of music career, will start to look like it needs full-time attention. And that's <laughs> something I think about quite a bit is like, at what point does an artist decide, especially one with a, you know, a traditional career, let's say, decide to pack it up and go, hey, I did that journey and now it's time for me to go all in on the music. And by all in, I mean time, everything, because I think you and I can probably agree that even though you've got a great balance right now, the amount of energy that you put into running your practice is energy you cannot put into your music. And so at some point there is an opportunity yeah, cost. I've, I've actually identified what you put in like and what you get out. The most difficult part of, of growing a, a music brand and business as like myself, P land, the creator and the artist that puts out music, the biggest hole in like my whole process is like content creation and engaging with people. 
like making music every night for a couple hours. And like, I've taught myself how to mix and master. I have other friends that are great musicians better than me that will like play bass for me on songs. And like, I have this great workflow where I can pump out music and I know I'm getting better because it's like objective. Some of the mixes that I put out before, like they're not as clear and you know what I mean? Like, so I'm getting better as a musician at a rate that I'm happy with. But in terms of like who I present myself to be and like showing the world who I really am and trying to build more of a narrative so I can build a bigger fan base, that's my issue. And it's because the extra time that I have goes into making music, but I need more time throughout the week to do the other stuff. And then every once in a while, if I do take a little time off away from my career, I'll make videos and I'll kind of go to events and I'll go out in public more and be myself and I get little growth spurts and I get motivated and my songs grow and, you know, I'll get more engagement on social media. And I definitely think like, man, what if that was it? What if that's all I did was like make content, go out in the world, try to do shows, meet people, help other people make music and make my own music on top of all that. It would probably help me get to where I want to go. Like, three to five times faster. So like, I completely agree. And um, I don't know what it's going to, I don't know like what is going to maybe help me switch over because I, like I told you, I'm not a lawyer's lawyer where I think like being a lawyer is like, the coolest thing. And like, I don't even really, I don't even necessarily introduce myself as a lawyer. It is my job. It's just my job. It helps me make money. You know, um, I think that if I built up my fan base and like my monthly listeners and streams if it maybe like tripled in size or so i would probably start to have a little bit more of the confidence because like let's say i have like 30 or forty thousand monthly listeners and like if i could get that up to like the six figures and i'm like making you know pretty decent money just from streaming alone I think I would have the courage to just be like, you know what, fuck it. Like for six months, I'm going to focus on this only. And I'm just not quite there. So I don't know. I mean, I've, I don't, I've never really talked about this with anyone of like, when would that day, when would it be good to try that? Because I never have. It, it is the money. Well, I think it's because the money is, I mean, it like at some point, yeah. like I look at myself and I'm like, well, now I'm doing quite well for myself corporate wise. And so the, the more, the more successful you are in your corporate career, the riskier it is to walk away from it because you're like, well, now I'm not looking at $20,000 that I'm gambling with. I'm now looking at 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 120. You know, you're looking at numbers where you're like, well, now I'm earning money that is significant. You're in the top strata of society and all of a sudden you're like, am I willing to give that up? And then it becomes this addiction of like a dichotomy of like you want to do both for as long as possible because you think you can amplify the money that you make if you can balance the two, but ultimately they both take away from each other at some point. I think that's the the hard reality of of what it is and and the burnout and like you said you make music in your spare time that means that you can't do shows you can't go on tour like all those things that are part of 
being a musician and building your brand, that all is difficult. And even if you did shows, it's like you got to pay the tax of lack of sleep and pay the tax of like, hey, I still got to show up the next day and still got to earn the check from my traditional job. So, yeah, I think it's easier almost as you're younger and the older you get, the more responsibilities you have. And, you know, we were talking about that you got a new place and then that comes with responsibilities and all of a sudden, it's not yeah, only I, I about money. About it's this. like, well, can um, I? I'm getting married next year, and uh, we're doing it in Portugal. And I'm going to take a month off of work when I when I get married, and um, that's going to be that's a pretty awesome. cool test to kind of see can I do a few things from my computer? Which, because of COVID, you can do a lot more from your computer as a lawyer. And I'm also a mediator, so I help other people like mediate their cases against each other where i'm just like the neutral person almost like a judge and um if i can maybe for that month do very little in law just a little bit to maybe make some money but have that more free time i think it'll be a good test and like you said the word tour too like look if i got invited to open up on a tour that was like pretty legitimate like an artist that I at least respected and thought was pretty big. Or even if I got, if I, you know, organized a tour where I'm the main artist at a smaller venue, but like the venues were going to be packed and I had 30 shows or something like that, I would take off from law. Like I would risk it. Like tomorrow I would. Because that's just the way that I am. Yeah, like I, I would. Like that, those opportunities haven't fully developed for me yet. Yeah, I think... And I have a feeling that maybe over the next year, I think I'm scratching at that zone of like, I might have to pull the trigger and do something a little extreme, but I have thought about it. And like, I wouldn't be able to say no, you know, like, like I listen to Felly and like the certain artists, like this kid, Ben Beal, who's on the feel fantastic remix. Like some of these guys that like, I really love, they're not your, they're not your Travis Scott level, you know, superstars, but like, to me, they're doing really well. It looks like music's like their full-time gig. If I got invited to open up for a guy like that, I'm saying yes. I'm leaving. Like I'm picking my shit up and I'm gone for a month or two. And like, I don't care what happens, you know. Yeah. Well, I think you have to think yeah. about it before it happens because it makes the decision easier. You know what you're gonna do. Um, I mean, I have the same thought. I when I started my my job, like almost two years yeah. ago, I said to them, yeah. "When if I get someone like Fifty Cent, I'm resigning the next day. Prepare for that. Like that's, but that's the agreement I made in my own head. Is like if I'm getting yeah. people like that, I am. There's no way I'm doing corporate. I'm just doing my own thing now. Like I, it's that's how that's the sign of I'm ready to go. So I think that's the the kind of flip side of." You have to have those conversations. And I with think yourself. it's like so I'm, I'm pretty big into manifesting. And once I think it happens, and now it's if, just if you it never happen. are open to it, it's harder for the opportunity to even present itself to you because there's that subconscious level of like ah, like I don't even know if I can do that. That would stress me out. I got this corporate job that you'll almost carry that out into the world with you. So those opportunities won't even really manifest and and happen. So yeah, I would say only over the past year have I really started to believe in myself as a musician? Cause like it always was for fun for a while, like for years and years and years, it was definitely just, I do this for fun. 
And then, I don't know, I had like a song hit a million streams and I started having, you know, like strangers DM me and like ask for lyrics and clarification on certain lyrics in some of my songs. And I was like, I'm not one of the, I'm not one of these artists. It's like, I'm the best. I listen to music. I listen to like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I listen to Joji. I listen to Mac Miller. I listen to Kendrick Lamar, like all the way down to some of the smaller artists. But like I compare my music to theirs like sonically, like I'll mix and I'll like compare the mixes and da da da. And I'm like, all right, mine's like 90% as clean as as this one. I'm not one of those artists that's like, oh, my mix is better and I'm a better rapper than Kendrick Lamar. And I think it's healthy for me to think that because I never I don't like the people that are just like, I'm the best ever. And like you don't even have a fan base. Like to me, that's a little weird. So it, it took me a while to even accept that like some of the stuff that I'm doing is pretty good. So like, I, it's it's interesting, right? Because in rap, it's like, no, I'm the fucking best. My bars are the sickest. Like, well, yo, you... like, I'll, I'll I'll kill J. Cole in, in, a, in a freestyle. But like, when I see J. Cole's freestyles, I'm like, bro, he's one of the best. Like, that's so incredible. I, I want to be that good. What do you think it is about hip hop and about rap that, is yeah. that because I have interviewed a lot of artists who say that they're the best, like a lot of artists who are like, I'm going to be the best. I've got the best skill set. I have nothing to improve. I could murder anyone. Yeah, it, it's in a, definitely uniquely hip hop song. Like what, what do you think been, it what is? Strange is this. It's uniquely hip hop. When I think you're doing something at the highest level, like you're in the NBA, you know, you're in, you're in the, the, the big, like you're in the world cup for soccer or whatever. Clearly, you're one of the best because you're in the biggest competition. At that level, I think it's great to be like, I'm the best. I think it's helpful for your confidence to be like, I am the best. Like, we're going to win today. I think rappers think this is a league almost. And since they're in the league, they're like, well, I'm in the rap league. So I got to say I'm the best and believe that I'm the best. However, the way that I view it is that there's like levels to the rap game. And in my opinion, it's pretty obvious if you're just like sitting by yourself at home and you're not trying to brag to anyone like, all right, who's like the top 30 guys right now that are really doing well. And like, you know who they are. And if you listen to their songs and then you go listen to one of your songs, objectively you're sober. It's like, you know, it's 2 PM. Most, I think a lot of people can go, all right, I know why they're that good. It doesn't have to be that I'm bad, but I will hear a J. Cole verse or a Kendrick Lamar verse or a, a Mac Miller song or even Lil Baby, who I think has like this, like the crazy flow. Just I hear that and I'm like, wow, that is fucking incredible. Like I aspire to be that way. But for whatever reason in rap, I know people that have like no fans and have released one song and they say they're the best. And I think that they just think they're in the league already. And what I would say is, eh, I just don't know if you're in the league yet, bro. Like you're playing pickup basketball right now at the gym. You're not in the NBA. So to say you're the best at the pickup game, I think it's counterintuitive because I know I get better. I study shit. I practice different flows. I like make different beats to see what kind of stuff I can find in my tones of my voice. I experiment with different chord progressions and like just all kinds of shit. And some of the stuff that I make even right now is not that good. 
And then in the process of making some not that good stuff, I'll do something and I'll show it to some of my friends who are honest with me. And they'll be like, yeah, dude, you crushed it. And then I'll show them some of the other stuff and they'll be like, yeah, you probably don't need to release that. <laughs> so like, I'm humble because I show people who love me, but are honest with me some <laughs> of the stuff. And they're like, yeah, like that, that I don't know. I don't really like that. So I, maybe it also has to do with like maybe surrounding yourself with people that will be honest because yeah, I know that for me, it's helped me actually become a solid artist, a better rapper by constantly looking up to the guys that are the best, aspiring to be them and knowing that I still have a ways to go. Well, I think you mentioned a yeah. few important things there is like it they say hip hop and is a sport and it definitely is. Um, but I I I've always seen the best athletes in the world don't say they're the best. They just are. Everybody knows. Like, no Michael Jordan doesn't have to say he's the best. Everybody does it for him. So he just walks around and everyone's like Hey, do you remember that era, the Michael Jordan era? It was the greatest era of all time. Now people are looking at LeBron. Like they they just do it. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, everybody knows. There's no debate. It's just they're unbelievable. Like they're the greatest of the era. Um, and then there's debates oh, about like, okay, who's up there in the greatest? And tennis is a great example of like the Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, like who's the best of that era? Everyone knows Serena Williams is the best female tennis player of all time. There is no debate. It's just she's won the most by such a significant margin that it's not even a competition. So I agree. And then if you keep telling yourself you're the best and you're not even close to the top tier, that. well, then you stunt your own growth because you believe that everyone's a hater. And that you're not getting the respect that you deserve. Well, if I'm the best and everyone's hating, they're jealous. And then I don't have to improve anymore because they're jealous. And it's the world's fault. It's not my own fault. And, you know, I make this podcast. I'm well aware that I'm not the best podcaster. I don't even think I'm close to having the skill set of being in that conversation of being you know, a, gr a good podcaster. I know that I'm good at certain things, but there is so much improvement to go. But that is the point that like, you cannot start. Yeah. And be I mean, and I'm, I'm like, it that is a life, work in man. progress. I, I think that airing, I think that like when you're alone and you're by yourself, if you are, if you really do think you're amazing at something, I think some positive self-talk is, is health is healthy. And like, even when I'm putting out this new album, it's funny, like, I try to go as long as I can without listening to it, because it's already submitted. And, and it's already out now that this is coming out. But in the month leading up from the time that I submitted it to the time that it comes out, I try to not listen to it. Because I want to like, kind of have the same surprise when it comes out as everyone else. But like, I fight it. And then I'll go listen to a couple of my favorite songs off the project. And I'm like, Oh, my God, these are like so much better than the stuff that I've ever put out. And then I'm and I'm happy about it. But like, that is great. That motivates me to make more music that motivates me to promote the album and like have confidence of like, this isn't better than uh, to pimp a butterfly. This isn't better than good kid mad city. Like, this isn't better than fucking killer Mike's new album, Michael, I'm not saying that. 
this is definitely better than my other shit. So if you even maybe liked my other shit or were intrigued in hearing a lawyer's perspective on rap, like this project is going to, you're going to like it. Like, I think a lot of people are going to like it. Versus, can you imagine me, this like corporate-ish guy, at least some of the time, who I grew up in like a pretty nice neighborhood. I mean, my dad made more and more money throughout my life. But like when I was young, didn't have as much money, but like now is very wealthy. So like, I don't have any kind of interesting background with where I come from. So like, it would be fraudulent for me to just be like, yo, like my shit's the greatest shit. If you don't listen to my new album, Busy Still, like you are a fucking loser. You're asleep. I just can't do that. Like it would be, it would be, it would be weird. You know what I mean? And like, it's funny that you said, I haven't seen videos of Killer Mike go on and be like, I'm the greatest ever. Anyone who doesn't like my new album's an idiot. But I see people on forums going, Killer Mike put out the rap album of the year. So sometimes it's just like that awareness. You know what I mean? Like, I think I've always had awareness of like, I'm not going to step out of my lane so far and look like an idiot. Well, the one thing I do disagree with you about is like your background and like, it's weird because I think Lil Dicky has mentioned this and he's said, spoken about it in Dave. It's like, you can't change your parents. You cannot change how you grow up. But that doesn't mean you didn't have struggles or difficulties. They're just different. So like, like, and I think this is the important part about hip hop and this is why hip hop gets so much love is like anyone can do it from any background because all you're doing is you're telling your story and maybe some people will resonate with it. Maybe some people won't. Maybe some people will think it's like, well, what are you complaining about? Whatever it is, but like, Every person's story is individual and everyone is privileged when you compare your difficulties with somebody else. So it's like this kind of like weird, weird place of like you're if we stop ourselves because of it, then we probably just don't do it justice. With like, I was so lucky, but like for sure, if like you deep dive into some of my songs, especially the, the ones that are less popular where I'm like very vulnerable, like. I definitely went through shit and like I've had like mental breakdowns and even had to go to like a a psychiatric hospital a couple of times to like get help for my my mind. And like those hardships, A, sucked. They were hard. Other people have had them too. And then it allows me to write about that perspective and it helps me connect with people. So like, I'm glad that you pointed out because sometimes I'll downplay it like I'm like the luckiest person alive and like no one really is. But I think that it it's weird. I like I don't talk to as many people about rap that are that have your perspective. A lot of people that I've grown up with are just like, you know, people online. It's just like, yeah, like you're you're fake. Like you're 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 making something up. But like that was kind of my point is that I don't put stuff in my music that's about somebody else's life and say that it's mine. That was more of my point. So I'm glad you pointed it out. Like you're not gonna see in my music, hey. I'm from the ghetto and like, you know, like my mom, like, like the Danny Brown song, like my mom had to like braid hair for $25 for us to get, to get by. Like there, there will be nothing like really at all lies in my music. And that was kind of where I come from is like, 
I like that I do that. And then sometimes I'll tell a story that's about some other thing. And then I can be more creative and I can like tell a story from whatever perspective I want. But I think that's the other interesting thing in hip hop. Like I'll see on Genius, you know, somebody breaking down their song and they'll say some of the lines and they'll be like, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. And like, I'm not mad about that because it's it's art. We're writing poetry. It doesn't have to be truthful. For me, it's just hard to be to not be authentic. When I'm saying I and my songs and like talking about a journey or talking about how I'm feeling, it's almost all like how I'm really feeling, you know? And Dave's a good example of that. Like he find he's always found such a cool way to say things that are relatively truthful to his life, but they're still interesting. But what if Dave tried to make like a gangster rap album that like was about him selling crack when he's never sold crack? Like maybe it would be cool because maybe it would be a satire but I, I like the stuff that he does more, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing about yeah. <laughs> being fake is that it's still through your perspective of what that fake life would be. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's all on tone. I think that's the important part. It all depends on the tonality of it. And if you're <laughs> claiming clout, because of stuff you never did, that's one thing. But if you are just like imagining your life, reimagining your life of like, okay, what would it be like from what I've seen and my experience now versus going through it in someone's footsteps? I think there is something there in terms of like, how would I feel if I tried to put myself in somebody else's shoes who lived that way or had to go through those things? And yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, that sure, art sure. is not like we limit ourselves by saying art has to be true because it's inherently not true. And then hip hop almost does itself a disservice yeah. where it's like, yeah. hey, you didn't do any of that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it sounds better. Like comedians do that all the time. Like the the jokes yeah, that they have, none of it, they really the story, they're like, I went to this place the other day. That's not true. It, well, they just like, and I've heard comedians break it down. It's like, this story happened with a teacher, but it sounds better if it happened with a cop. And if I changed this wording of it, it makes it better. And if I put this phrasing at the end, it makes it better. And all of a sudden it's very different. But the yeah. idea of the joke yeah. came from something in their life. So you have to have creative license. If you were limited by a truth, well, then you're not really a creative because you're just yeah, saying I think exactly the that I what everyone else is doing is like and being that's no different from anyone like, else. Like you said, I can be authentic in a different perspective because it's me genuinely saying what I think that perspective would be or what an experience that I haven't had but I've seen happen. What would it be like for me to go through that? Me writing about going through something that I've never gone through but I've seen other people go through could be really interesting. Right. And and maybe for the purpose of the song, it would be hard to tell if it's a story about somebody else or a story about me. But um, yeah, like I think that sometimes I, I on the outside, I'm like, yeah, like I, I have a little bit of a fear or a little bit of like an insecurity of anyone hearing my music that doesn't know me and being and like finding out some truth online and be like, that guy's not doing what he says. But really, I think it's more of like the fear comes from like my own voice of like, hey, man, you've had real stuff happen to you and you've gone through a bunch of 
unique situations in life and even with your career and the fact that you have a fiance and just all the stuff that I've gone through. It's like, there's enough there, like cultivate that, you know? And like, that's kind of what I've tried to do lately is just be like, yeah, I can veer off. And sometimes I will veer off and I'll write a song from the perspective of a girl and the whole song is she, right? And I, and I love doing that. But like, I guess I'm always like, don't ever veer off too far to where you're not even like using all the ammunition that's literally... The, I'm 36, like the 36 years that you've lived, you have so much ammunition for for creativity. Don't listen to these other guys' music and go, I have to make a song about the club. And that's the part where I guess like after after us talking, it's that even I just feel like I've just learned that like, I always try to make sure like, dude, don't make a song about the club because, you know, the Migos got popular making that like club music. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, if you go to the club with your fiance next week because you guys want to have a crazy night and something funny or weird happens at the club, that's when I want to make the song about the club. You know what I mean? Because then it is authentic and I could even do it from an interesting perspective in the song. But at least I went to the club and, and something happened versus like, all right, what's a hot line about popping a bottle? And then like, I don't know. And and what's funny is I'll write some stuff like that that has nothing to do with me. And, I, and I've always wanted to like eventually write music for other people. And I've even created like a couple alter egos for myself as like a joke. And one of them is called Mike Murda because my real first name is Michael. And, and I always joke with my friends. I'm like, yeah, all these ridiculous bars and ideas that I've had that are just completely made up fallacy nonsense. Like eventually I might put out like a little five song EP and like change the tone of my voice, like drop the pitch by like a semitone and like let it all channel through this thing. Cause it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like why not? I think that's so cool. I like, yeah, why not? And also we might have to update it to Mike murderer. The mic, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. then you get the, the pun of yeah, like you that. murder Mike the mics and also your name is mike so you get the both both the the yeah um but i mean something that you've touched yeah. on and something i want to transition to a little bit was like your mental health challenges that you had before you really saw success and saw momentum within your music and you know something that you openly and uh talk about and uh really advocate for but how was that in terms of being the thick of it of going through your own mental health challenges i mean you've written as well and you've spoken about this before you had you know breakdowns yeah. and you mentioned it on the show but like what's that feeling like for anyone who's never been through that and and we hear about it a so lot like, in society but you know what's the actual different, feeling different, of like diagnosis being in the midst around, of it? like these days like bipolar is a very popular one schizophrenia and like variations of and like being depressed right those are some common ones like i saw different doctors and they were like yeah you like i they basically said that i had a mild case of bipolar where it wasn't something that was so debilitating that like i can't function and i have episodes like you know all throughout the year but I've had like two episodes that my isolated episodes were as bad as anyone's in terms of somebody who's like bipolar or schizophrenic, like really bad episodes. They both of them were brought on by 
an immense amount of stress, lack of sleep, and my both were also because I was smoking marijuana and then I quit. So it was like I was smoking, I was stressed, I was either at work or I was in law school or I was doing something stressful. And then I quit smoking and then it brought on like you see these videos of Kanye and he's on a stage crying about his mom or, you know, he's just basically going off. I've experienced that twice and both times it lasted for weeks, like not hours or days for weeks because I'm not Kanye. I didn't have like the balls or the cameras on me to like show the stuff that I did, but I know I did some bizarre stuff. And I think because I studied psychology during mine, I kind of knew like I'm not normal right now. And one of mine was a little bit more of a positive, happy, like I'm on top of the world episode. And one of mine was like, I kind of want to kill myself type episode. So it was interesting that I got one of each. Um, and, and one happened 10 years ago and one happened five years ago. And those are the only two of my life. What I will say though, is when you're in an episode where like, you're not yourself and you're looking at the world completely differently, especially if it's a, like a, a sad one, a depressed one, it is literally a nightmare. Every hour of every day is a nightmare you have a voice in your head that takes over your normal voice every day. That's like the real you that is like, Oh, I'm on a pot. I have a podcast with P Lane today. I'm pretty excited. Like that just normal, fun, easy to talk to voice. When I describe my mental health issues to people, it's like, what if your worst nightmare, a character out of a movie that you were afraid of, or that you didn't like was able to come in, take him hostage and take over but you as the chooser of the thoughts could like, no one told you that he took over. He just fucking took over. And then all of a sudden you're looking around at the people that you love or that you like or whatever. And you're just thinking crazy, bizarre thoughts about them. Maybe that they're trying to hurt you. Or maybe they're telling you that, dude, you're not even a good person. Like you're pretty shitty. It's so bad, man. And that's why I advocate for it. Because it's like, it's like life and death. It's really fucking serious. People who have like those really severe mental health problems, it's, I don't wish it on anyone. Like for me to avoid having another episode, like I see a psychiatrist, I see a therapist, I work out, I don't smoke anymore. Like I've had to do so many things to avoid having one of those episodes. I would pretty much give up anything in life but music if that was the deal to not ever go to that place again. Just whatever your worst day ever has been in terms of a breakup or whatever, you lost your job, feeling that bad. Imagine just a static feeling of that bad for like two months. Sucks. Um, I would say that people around Did me it just come out of nowhere about two weeks before it got to like the serious level of like hospitalization. They all started to notice like that it was coming you know what i mean that i was i was probably a little bit more on edge a little bit more like back off and like not as just easy to speak to so they knew but again when you're in it it's so hard to just be like you know what i need some help right now i'm not feeling like myself like let me go see if i need to take medicine 
or get some sleep help, you know, take a sleeping pill, or maybe I need to go to the gym and maybe take a week off school or a week off work. It's so hard when you're in it to do those things. But those are the things that could help avoid it getting as bad as I did. Because like mine, it's so strange. 98% of my life, I'm this, I'm very stable, I'm calm, I'm grounded, I try to be respectful. But the 2% where I was in that other thing, it was so shocking that like, I don't know, maybe there's a reason why I had to experience a, a high, you know, breakdown and a low one. Because whatever platform I do have for the rest of my life, like my life goal is to kind of shed more light on that, hopefully even get more research on what goes on in the brain and, and like why this happens, because it happens to like more people than you think. I want to say like one in five men will experience that high or that low kind of breakdown in their life, in their life. Yeah. I think it's the the mind is a powerful thing in every sense of the the word that you can you know you spoke earlier about manifesting your future and then at the same time just one day it can just switch on itself it's like surprise all this shit that you thought you were doing that was okay has led to a really bad outcome and I think that's what it is is we don't do a lot to look after ourselves that we're like, ah, oh, you know, we, we do those classic things of, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead or oh, I'll, I'll exercise tomorrow. I'm, I'm stressed or, Hey, I'll, I won't eat that healthy thing. That'll be like, you know, I'll start my diet tomorrow. And, and so you convince yourself that you're managing. And then I think the manifestation can sometimes come and you've been convincing yourself for so long that you need a circuit breaker which is a really difficult time where it's like, no, yeah. you have to reevaluate what you're doing. It's like an injury in a weird way. You haven't looked after yourself the whole time and now you're injured and you have to recover from your injury. But doing those things and recognizing those things within yourself of like, how the do I stay the, the best, best version analogy, of myself like or something? You're better Especially men think, don't man. do very I well. really appreciate that because – Sometimes when I'm I'm on the spot, I, I can like be long winded to try to really sum it up. But like, that's what it is. For a couple of years leading up to each of my episodes, I was in a stressful, like school or work situation. And I was trying to manage it with like, either drinking or smoking. And I was starting to not sleep. Well, that's like my brain getting injured a little bit every day. It's like if you injured your wrist just a little bit every day, eventually, it's going to break in half. So the the real mental like breakdowns that people suffer, it's never the from the day before, almost ever. It's from months or years of kind of just little hits at the brain, little hits at the brain. And that's the key. Now I still have times where like I have a stressful week and I'll talk to my fiance or a friend and I'll be like, dude, I am like not even feeling that great right now. Like I'm not feeling like myself. And they're like, Go get a massage, go to the gym and go take a nap, fucking do like do something. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll relax, I'll chill, I'll take the day off. And like, so now I can kind of see it coming more. And, and that is a little bit of a gift that I think I have is that I'm super aware. But again, I think I'm only aware because I had such a bad time during, during the lows that I'll do any, like I said, I'll do pretty much anything. I'll try anything that's going to make the, the brain my my brain healthier 
yeah and like you said we men especially but women too we don't treat our brain like an injured ankle but your brain's more important than your fucking ankle you know what i mean like we should treat it with more care than we treat our pecs at the gym yeah Well, I'm always like, you know, my self-talk is somewhat, sometimes like, just don't be a bitch. Let's go. Get your, get your ass up. Like, there's, there is stuff like that. And sometimes that is yeah. true. I need that. I need myself to be like, come on, don't be lazy. Some of it's laziness. Yeah. Some of it's genuine tired. And you have to learn which is which. I think that's important of like, and it only happens with age you identify more and more of like, okay, I'm feeling run down, so I need rest versus I can't be yeah. bothered and I'm trying to give myself an excuse not to get up and go to the gym. And so it's like there's that, that there's that the balance between the two, but if you can nail that, I think you can really look after yourself and then there is a point where that becomes habit where, yeah. you know, if you need to meditate, you just meditate every day. You just know that's what I do. Like for yourself, you you go see a therapist. That's just what you do. You don't. You didn't say once while we were speaking. Oh, I'm yeah, trying to go to my therapist. The gym is therapy for me. I used to lift and be like a pretty big like, guy. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. So it was just like this yeah. weird phase that I went through. But it taught me a lot about how to work out. And now I go to work out, and it's like, yeah, I like that it, it keeps me in shape. But I'm not some big jack dude, and I don't aspire to be that anymore. But what I get out of the gym for my mind and body is this crazy meditative process. I'm always kind of studying new music while I'm in there too. So I've made the gym this hour of my day, five days a week, that isn't, ah, the gym. I've created a habit and a routine out of it where it's like, oh, I get to go study some new songs that came out this week, listen to some of my mixes, get deep breaths in while I lift weights. And I don't have to go in there to be gigantic and jacked. So it doesn't even have to be that stressful of a workout. It's just enough to sweat and feel good. And that is, I think, there's an art in life to that. Like even with work, right? Like, oh, I don't love my job. So I can go there and be a dickhead and hate it. Or I can like make the best of it and and start planning for what's going to come after. So like, yeah, I, I definitely lean now in life towards just like, my glass is half full. Like it's full on honestly, it's filled to the brim, but even when it's not, it's still half full because I don't want to call out. There's somebody very close to me in my life. I won't call them out. Um, but it's the opposite. We have like the same opportunities. We're very similar, but it's like the glass is half full. And why did this happen to me? And I'm like, dude, this is not going to help you get any further, dude. I honestly can't handle it. People who complain all the time and are always like, woe me. I'm just like, well, you know what you need to do. I'm not like, I'm not holding your hand during this. Like you, you make your own luck. I'm a big believer in that. I, I'm not a huge believer in chance. I think chance is like the outcomes of a lot of things that you do manifesting itself into reality and so you may be doing things yeah. for five years that you don't know about and then one day you get lucky but you've been doing the right things for five years so it's like it's that's to me how it works but if you 
look yeah, and, on the and, bad side of everything and was guaranteed and i haven't been able to figure this out like is, if you only look for negativity you'll find it realize that they're looking at everything negative and then like do they kind of have any idea of like this is me like i am negative and like life is kind of a bummer like do they know that they're in control or do they what i think might be accurate is they truly just watch these things happen, have this negative lens and just think life sucks without even realizing that like there's a lot of control in the vision. And I think that's probably why it pisses us off, right? It's the second one because it's like, dude, what? I think the second. Yeah, because for every yeah. everything that they see is bad, it's like other people see as opportunity. So like it's it's perspective. It goes back to law. There's a fact. Something happened, and now you put a narrative on it. You start to give it context. You start to give it background. And I think these people have been yeah. doing it for such a long time that they yeah. think that they're being a realist, where in actuality they're being a pessimist. And and I think it is almost impossible to. Yeah be able to get out of that habit because it genuinely is a rewiring like you just have it it requires strong focus to be like my initial thought is not correct i have to transition and i have to train myself to be like okay i thought that was bad let's find the good and so you slowly work at finding good in every bad situation yeah i think like i don't think I write a lot really of my music about want like to do it despite how, the fact like, life that they is a game should. and like you know I'm playing from my perspective, like this is my game. And like, in any game you play, like you have adversity, right? So I always look at like, all right, like, how can I use this? How can I get better from this? Like, I like kind of enjoy the challenge of finding solutions, even when I'm mixing songs, or like, I, I recorded a video of me and my friend in the studio the other day, we were trying to rhyme with chandelier, we wanted something that sounded cool as chandelier. So like, I just put my phone up and just, it was us being fucking goofy and like chandelier pioneer in the clear. And like, we had fun for 12 minutes trying to come up with the perfect line to rhyme with chandelier. And then like, when we came up with it, we were like, yeah, like we kind of like that. And like, that was an analogy for my life is like, I will struggle. I will look goofy. I'll go through whatever people think of me. If I think that I, not when I think if I'm actually trying to find that solution, like I'm willing to just roll with whatever happens because there's usually a solution to your problems or there's usually like some sort of learning experience that you can cut that comes from these problems. And it's weird because that's the game. I feel like if you just see it as everything's negative, then you're not even playing a game. It's 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 playing you like the game is playing you. And that is I just can't get behind that. Well, I think we're looking at and companies are looking to gamify everything yeah. because everybody knows that the best things are like just games. That's what we like to do. We like to play a game. And so that's what I do. I'm the same as you. I'm like, this yeah. is a game. L like life is a game, but my corporate career is a game. Uh, I mean, my career is in sales as well. So like I see that as a game. What like out the game is to make the deal. 
So how, what do I have to say and how do I find it and how do I maneuver and what do I say here? It's all strategy based. I love that kind of stuff. And so it lends well to being competitive as well of like, I want to win and I see it as a game. So you can create milestones and little wins for yourself and all of a sudden it's <laughs> not as difficult. Although I will always struggle with admin. Admin drives me absolute crazy because it's like, that's the assembling of all the pieces you're, you're, and that drives me nuts. I'm like, I just want to play rather than like doing life admin. Cause I think we do way too much. And that is genuinely overwhelming. Like how much paperwork did you have to do to get your house? It's like crazy. The amount of paperwork and most, I, like I look back and I'm like, I you know, business thousand with, years like, ago, we never I had to a, do that. A partner at my law firm that like started just, it. And like, I, specifically try to find people that are good and and enjoy those things like the administrative process just like setting up systems but like in the back end just the super boring tedious i've found a couple people that are good at that and i'm like look i'll i'll go on camera i'll drive to the courthouse and i'll do the talk more than you if you'll do that more because it, it it's so blah and it's like frustrating and like you said it's slow like what if every time i went to make a song i had to like connect everything in my studio from from it being all unconnected so like for maybe 20 minutes before i can even hear it play a single note on the keyboard i had to set everything up for 20 minutes like yeah like after a certain while i might quit so it's that i agree with you man it's so fucking frustrating i would yeah, it's it's so bad. And, you know, I think that's what stops a lot of people from doing stuff is admin, like genuinely just admin. I mean, how many people don't have passports? And you have to, it's because you have to fill in forms. They're not easy to understand. And they're like, it's just a bit of a shit show. And then traveling, you're like, I have to buy flights and I have to read all this stuff. And I have all this, like, it's just to enjoy the things in life you want to enjoy. You, you have to do admin and that sucks. There is something about that in life that like, why can't I just enjoy it without yeah, we, paperwork? We, 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 and we've created this world of paperwork for ourselves. Like we did it. Like that's the weird thing. And we did it to ourselves and then we're like, why do I have to do this? And just the, the whole feeling of what is a nine to five? Like we actually work. I have hours and I'm like accountable for this stuff. And I sometimes look at like, what's the point of, work i whereas like i look at art and i'm like well this is the truest this is all that really matters is like the expression of human creativity and there is nothing more human than to express yourself rather than working in some job in in this yeah conglomerate Dude, the, the interesting thing about the whole admin thing that we've too is built. like mike is a good example and like different friends that i have who who i think maybe respect the admin side more than I do and and like it probably more because they see the game, the game in it. The big thing too is it is almost never like immediate gratification, like the passport, like 10 months before your trip, making three or four trips for the passport and waiting in line. It's like, oh my God, all this to go on that trip, right? But your trip could be the most fun you've ever had in your life. And that's kind of how admin too is like, that's why I like with my law partner, <laughs> He'll be like, hey, man, we need we're, we're on a new app. I got us a new CRM. Like we need to have a meeting today on Zoom for three hours so I can show you the basics. And I'm just like, OK, like 
I know that in the long run, this year will be a little smoother or maybe a lot smoother by switching over. But man, if it was up to me, I would stick with the first one that I found for like my whole life. <laughs> like it's, you know. Yeah. And then, and then you wonder why companies have these legacy CRMs and you're like, that's exactly why. Cause they cannot be yep. fucked changing it is too much work and they don't see any perceived game um and the fact that we have a crm in just to it, the fact that you and i are talking about a crm is ridiculous to me some people and, and I, I hope most yeah. people don't know what it is but it's like a it's a central place where you manage your clients and your leads and your opportunities uh companies like salesforce yeah, uh sap point. all those companies that's essentially what they do so if anyone who doesn't know i'm jealous i'm a little bit jealous if you don't know what a crm is uh because uh yeah, yeah like like yeah, i've been listening just, to a lot of freddie gibbs lately and it's like, weird that's I, what I, I'm i think not, i'm not gonna like, i'm not trying to be a dick but like i'm guessing maybe freddie gibbs wouldn't know what a crm is because maybe he never had to use one maybe he did though for his fan base but like I think that you can not know what a CRM is and be super fucking successful at what you do. So it is, it is one of those things of like, good God, like once you're in the world of it, it's there with you for the rest of your life of like, let me like, even, even some of my friends who have helped me with my music career, they're like, you need to like do an email list and MailChimp and a CRM and da da da. And I'm like, it's so not art. Like I love art. I'd rather paint. I'm not even a great painter, but I'd rather struggle and paint something for four hours than set up a fucking mailing list and like organize a CRM. It's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because it's business again. It's corporate. The The whole point, your everyone's music yeah. and everyone's creative journey. Every, the whole point is to not be in corporate. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a business and it becomes corporate. And although you're putting out a different product, you're all of a sudden in the product market. I'm selling a product that I need people to buy and for people to consume. And all of a sudden, I'm back in the corporate world that I thought I was getting out of because let's be honest, the music industry is as corporate as any other industry there is. And so, Everyone is kidding themselves if they believe that they can not do it. You ultimately have to because if you don't, well, guess what? You're not going to be up there making money and you're not going to be as successful. And Potentially, that's not what you want, but the reality of the music industry, and the, that's why everyone says it's the industry, is because it's a business and everyone says it. So, like, that's it kind of sucks that creativity has been corporatized and monetized yeah in its sense, because it loses its intrinsic value in a weird way. But you can't joke yourself and think that that doesn't exist because that is, again, reality. But at the same time, artists can get rewarded for it. If it wasn't a business and it wasn't yeah, making money, it, it's inherent well, no one in the would be game a full-time artist that there has can't to have that way. a corporate so, element that like, tracks hand what hand. happens with your art so that you can be compensated accordingly. So it's there and, you know... The other interesting thing that I've like been like thinking about a lot lately is, you know, you have the guy like Russ 
who does, you know, apparently most of his whole brand and business is run by him and probably some close people to him versus a record label where you're going to get more of a chunk of what you make, but potentially never be like the super superstar because you never teamed up with that mega corporate entity. Right. And for the guy that's more like coming up where we're at my level, where like, I have some songs out, I've got a little traction, but I'm still very much towards the bottom of the list of how big of an artist you can be. And, and there's, there's moments where I'm like, man, if a medium sized record label or an indie label came along right now and gave me a decent check to just take over and own my shit. And they had a little bit more of a system to put me in, to help me do all of it. As much as I want to say, I wouldn't, wouldn't even think of it, think about doing that. There are days where like, I have my little light set up on a tripod and I'm filming a video of myself for an ad that I'm going to run of myself on a platform where I'm doing all of it. And I'm like, man, maybe I would sign away a good, a whole, at least an album or a couple albums to, to somebody like that, if they were going to be able to help me that much, you know, like, so I get why artists do it. Like, fuck dude. Like, like we've been talking, I'm trying to run a law firm. I'm trying to make music. I'm trying to film myself in videos where I look like, you know, like where I look the way that the art looks trying to match visual content by yourself to the music that you make is hard enough. And then being like, all right, like, what should the caption be? All right. Should I maybe run some ads on Instagram and Facebook to the new song? Cause I believe in it. All right. Like who should I market the song to? And like, it, there's just so many layers that like, I see the corporate side of it so well. And it's just like, you can't fight against it. I don't, see it's it, music's always going to be corporate like it's for i think the rest of our lives at least like it's just it's just a big business artists are a pretty small part of it right yeah 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 the business is not the artists the business is the people who manage the artists that's i mean how many artists that just pop up out of nowhere and you're like you're no good or any different to the person I listened to yesterday and they've disappeared and you're here. It's like the hot for a minute and then they're gone. And, you know, everybody knows that when you're on these labels, they're all loans. They give you money. It's a loan. If they don't recoup, you then owe the label. And all of a sudden, all those, you know, all the bling that everybody's wearing, all those fancy cars, they all look good at the time. But if you don't sell, and they don't make the money back, well, guess what? You never owned that to begin with, so it's all the labels, and they're coming, and they're recouping, and they take all the rights for your music for the rest of the time, and then all of a sudden, you're out of a label. Yeah. No one wants to work with you because it is it, a business. It, it's a wild game. It's a twice. wild one, man. That's it. It's gone. So, like, but... But it, you need to... real that. But as we said, you have to live in reality... And in that is opportunity. Once, If you know that yeah, and you come true. in openly and go, the people that get screwed are the ones who think it's that doesn't exist. They're the ones who are like, you know, living in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, not saying that this is still a chocolate factory and that yeah. Charlie still needs to make money. Otherwise, he's not making chocolates. Like, he's not just a good guy that gives it away. So, I, yeah, I just think that people... Yeah, that, that's just I think that what it is you have to be I've, optimistic, year, but you still have to have finally a gotten to where I'm a little bit more like I'm confident. Like some of the stuff that I'm making now, I like I think I, I'm gonna like it in ten years. 
versus some of my earlier stuff, I'm already like, man, I wish I didn't do that. Right. And like, in the beginning, I was thinking that it's like, you know, I'm very like magical and spiritual, like, yeah, like you could make a song and like, you could, it could just like change your life. And like, that's true. But you could also make a song that's incredible and if you don't play the game at all and you don't figure out the marketing and the and the the machine part at all you could make a song that's that incredible and only ever put it on soundcloud and no one really hears it and you die one day and and there it was so like that's the thing that i try to tell my other friends who are artists is like don't don't make the best thing ever that no one heard you're better off making something that's pretty good that you market really well that everyone hears because that that path will take you down a lane where you might make the best music eventually anyway. So don't worry about your first thing being the best thing ever with no business behind it. And like, it did take me a couple years to, to be like, all right, the whole magical, what if I do this and this hook is so good. And this sample is so good that like, they're going to, I'm Kanye tomorrow. It's like, well, that's not realistic. Play the business game, pick the songs that are more marketable put some ads behind them, post on social media, go on podcasts, collaborate with other artists. And eventually after four or five years, you'll have a really good idea of if you really belong here, or if you're just doing this for fun. But a lot of people just swing the bat home run. It doesn't go the way they want. And then everyone's a hater. And then in a couple of years, they don't even make music anymore. And some of those people could have been the best ever. So, I don't know. Nope. Yep, I have well, no one. I have favorite no artists that I love, 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 and sometimes they'll come out with music, and I'm just like, eh. it's just not, you know, yeah. And also, it's will never like art is never finished. It's just that's where it was. That's what it was done. It's like that's where you decided to release it. That's what someone said to me. Is like. Art is never finished. It's just that's where I felt comfortable giving it to the world. And that is a really cool perspective of like I could spend three years on a song or I could be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm I'm ready for the world to receive it. It's technically not finished because I could go back and edit it some more. But that's that's what it is. That's like that's where I'm at in life. And then if I hold it for three years, okay. then it's no longer relevant and I'm a different person and ultimately you need feedback. Like you may think it's the greatest thing ever and then you release it and everybody hates it. And it's like, well, then it's not that good, but you've been like in your own bubble for so long that you can't separate yourself from what you've created and the time that it takes, like you've already submitted yeah, your I album. Can't, I can't, I, I like it. so so often you've I'm got to leave in reflection before now. I've submitted it. And, and so I'm you're separating, like make changes over and over and over again. And it's beautiful to listen to it now and go, I can't change this. Otherwise, it'd be like kind of meaningless. Like, why go in and change the mix now? I'm leaving it. I'm happy with it. It's there. And I actually learned this not too long ago because, like I said, I'll paint every once in a while, just like for almost like therapeutic reasons, just paint some abstract weird shit. But I have a couple of friends that are really good painters. One of them's name is Paul Columbus. And I remember going to his little art studio one time and he had all these paintings and like they looked done to me, but they were it looked like they weren't that important to him. And he was walking me through and he's like, oh, yeah, like that was an idea. But like, I'm going to add to that. That was from three years ago. 
And then like he was working on another one that looked like it could have been done. And he's like, yeah, I did. I did this two years ago, but I always knew that I wanted to add some new element. And I just recently came up with a new idea to like draw these really thin lines over this piece. So he was like finishing a piece of art that looked done to most people two years later. And like, I thought it did, it made it better, but like, it didn't matter if it made it better to him. He just felt like it was time to do it. And some of the other ones he didn't. And like, you're right with music, like you have to draw a line if you want people to hear it. Like, all right. It's like, you know, when you watch those cooking shows and then the clock runs out and like their garnish isn't quite on the plate and they're like, all right, like they're going to go try this food now. And like, yeah, that's how I look at music, which I think it's fun. Like you're a chef, but like you need time constraints with music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some artists who just don't release anywhere near as much as they should like three years between projects it's like you might release something really good but you cool off so quickly people forget and maybe but but maybe that's the legacy they want they just want fire albums and they just want the that to be their the that to be their career but i think it's self-talk again but uh man it's been an absolute pleasure we've been talking about literally everything under the sun but i only have one more question for you and it's probably the toughest question that I ask on the show. The only one that I plan. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once, uh, just to get an appreciation of, cannot be what your own music. Came can to be mind any genre. First, of before music, you're even halfway done with this, that question, is Radiohead Kid A. Um, that album, the production, I think is still ahead of its time. I know that I listened to it when I was pretty young because it came out, I think, in the 90s or maybe early 2000s. When I listened to that as somebody that like, I've always loved all types of music, it changed my DNA. Like it definitely changed the way that I moved throughout life. And like it changed my ears and the way that I heard music because I used to listen to lyrics only. And then when I listen to that piece of music, you hear Tom York's voice with this monumental lavish lush production and i was like i didn't know music could do that so that album from start to finish just listen to it one time probably at night when you're alone and you can really tune in i think that album will help everyone just like be a better listener for music in general today that's awesome love that love that recommendation obviously the one and the it's only called busy P-Land. still been a fantastic year what's and your album called the one that's dropping on friday being busy finding stillness but still being busy so that's kind of like the whole the whole theme of it yep well i love that idea busy still it's going to be out now so for anyone who's listening to this it is out now go check it out um, hopefully, uh, the people are already listening to it and this is just a little push forward in the numbers, but man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Very interesting to talk to, uh, as I said, very unique in the, in the world of hip hop and the perspective you come from. And I think that's only a good thing. So the more that you get out there and the more that you continue to share, uh, the more people will align to it. And as I said before, everyone's on their unique journey and you never know who's going to you know, click with yours. So 
I think it's all our obligation to keep doing what we're doing. And man, I can't wait to Thank see Thank you for having me. Keep doing well and, and hear how that album know you goes. Because I'm sure it's going to be You taught fantastic. me a lot during this conversation, even with us, you know, fleshing some of these ideas out. It, it even helped me a lot. So thank you for having me, man. Well, my plan is to one day for people to be like, oh, if I just talk to you Adam, have a Rick, you have a Rick Rubin then, vibe, man. Who knows? I'm I can be a consultant. So I, I just I, go into I, the booth and talk. The conversation. This all these fantastic ideas. Trying to push my <laughs> thoughts, and I learned a lot, so I appreciate it. Yes, well, I will be in you Australia. And I both I made, so thank you very much. Years, and when you come down, we're going to have to do this in person. All right, later. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe awesome. I'm and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.